Yo, this is BJ Gador, host of the weekly BJ podcast. I'm a former fat guy turned cover model, and I'm also the former fitness director for the Men's Health brand. I specialize in helping busy men and women just like you burn fat, build muscle, and boost metabolism while having a little fun along the way. And I'll be interviewing some of the most influential men and women in the health, fitness, and nutrition space to give you a weekly dose of Fitspiration. Follow me everywhere on social media at BJ Gador, B-J-G-A-D-D-O-U-R. And for more podcasts, plus workout, meal prep, and mobility content, please visit thedailybj.com, hashtag not a porn site. Membership is just $9.69 per month. Cancel anytime. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when each weekly episode is posted. This is the Weekly BJ Podcast. Yo, BJ Gador with the Weekly BJ Podcast, and I have my former husband at Men's Health, uh, Paul Kita, who uh, we used to do a lot of fun stuff in what was known as the Cook and Chisel franchise. Paul is the nutrition and food editor by Sorry about that. That's my... My male dog is upset right now. He wants to be on the podcast. Uh, but Paul is the food and nutrition editor at Men's Health, and uh, he does amazing work there. He has a new book out called A Man of Pan of Plan, also the highly successful book Guy Gourmet. And I wanted to talk one of my favorite topics today, which is food with Paul. Uh, and Paul, obviously, you're doing a lot of great work. you got a new book out. It looks beautiful pictures, by the way. It's a nice coffee table, kitchen counter type book to kind of browse through. Great for the holidays. I highly recommend you check it out. A lot of uh, meals that, you know, I want to prove uh, during the week, but great for our Friday bucket meals. And there's also a lot of great, like I saw like the eggplant, zucchini, lasagna. There's uh, cauliflower steaks. We're going to talk about all the good stuff. It's all good, but also knowing too that, you know, uh, we got we got to be careful with that shred with the shred side of things. Paul, how you doing, man? No, I'm doing great, PJ. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, unfortunately, that was a that was a really uh, sour divorce for us. But um, <laughs> look, look, I'm happy that we could patch things up and and talk things out and, and do this podcast today. I feel a lot of healing going on. Yeah, well, you got the gym and the divorce agreement. So, <laughs> is anybody even using that thing anymore? Uh, let's not bring that up so that we don't (laughs) enter into this podcast with, uh, animosity. I appreciate that. So how how did you get into, I mean, you've been working at men's health in some capacity, I believe an intern when you were 18 years old. Yeah. Barely, uh, barely legal, Paul, barely legal. (laughs) (laughs) I initially worked for a publication men's health put out. It was a special interest publication. Now a collector's item, even here at the offices of men's health called men's health living. Uh, It was a home magazine for men. We tackled tough subjects like what Jason Statham's bachelor pad looked like, uh, (laughs) which dog was right for you. The answer is Rhodesian Ridgeback. Sorry, BJ, to your dogs. (laughs) And uh, that's where I started to fall in love with with cooking and uh, writing about cooking. And and you also uh, had kind of your own skinny to muscular guy transformation, right? With the, were you involved with the scrawny to brawny stuff? Yeah. Um, I was a, a wastrel in college, like, 
at one point I think I, you know, so I'm, I'm six foot. I weighed 135, uh, ectomorph by, uh, by genes. And, uh, look, I'm, I'm still pretty lean, but, uh, at one point in, in the, my men's health career, I, I was able to, uh, put on 15 pounds of muscle in a period of, of three or four months. Wow. And, um, I, I learned to love the deadlift, the bench press, and, and I, I still do workouts that are, are centralized around those moves. Beautiful. The big lifts, man. And, uh, 135, I think I was in the first grade. <laughs> so we're we're on the opposite side of the spectrum, but we both love food, and uh, it's become a passion for you. And uh, how did you? Was it one of those things, a necessity, where like you had the opportunity, like there was a gap at Men's Health, and you knew you liked food and nutrition, you wanted to learn more, and you kind of stepped into that role? Or how did you find yourself, um, you know, making a living uh, writing and making content around you know good food that the average guy and gal can eat? Yeah, uh, it's it's a great question. You know, I, I, I sort of was guided into this role. Most people think of men's health and they think of chiseled six packs and and workouts, but it really is an unsung food publication. And, and this was happening far before I got here. Uh, you know, guys like Matt Goulding, an editor before me, who um, had the foresight to bring Anthony Bourdain into the magazine at, at a very early stage. Uh, my previous editor, Adina Steinman, who now works for Epicurious, she was very talented at uh, organizing and also bringing in big time chefs and translating their recipes for the home cook. Um, so I've, I've had great teachers over the years, and because I've always had a passion for eating, BJ, I think that's also something that we share. Um, I, I also had to quickly develop uh, a, a passion for cooking once I realized that my mom wasn't cooking for me anymore when I went to college. So there were, there were a few moments there when I weighed 135 when I was eating veggie bagel sandwiches at the Ohio University cafeteria and just you know, weeping as I was doing so because I had missed my mom's home cooking. So it, it really was a, a means to an end. I love it, man. And so you got this new book, A Man of Pan of Plan, beautiful name. It's got, you know, the alliteration, the rhythm to it. I love it. That's very important, by the way, in creating a brand. I always, I always start with that, and then I find a way to make it work off of what – does it sound good? Does it look good in a cover or a T-shirt? Uh, so you nailed that. And uh, take us through this new book. Yeah, well, it was actually based on A Man of Pan a Plan, which was a book written uh, by David Joachim, a uh, famous, now famous cookbook author, uh, cookbook ghostwriter, while he was here at Men's Health Magazine. And uh, a man, a can of plan, just like it sounds, was you take a can of Hormel chili, you combine it with a can of black beans, a can of stewed tomatoes, and boom, you, you have dinner. Luckily, we have evolved a little bit as men, BJ. We have evolved from can opener to chef's knife and cutting board and cast iron skillet. And it's also come at a time, I think, when it's easier than ever to cook delicious and nutritious meals at home. I mean, grocery stores 15 years ago were, were food deserts. You know, there were places where cans – that, you know, that's what took up most of the space in the in the grocery store. Uh, produce at grocery stores didn't used to be so wide and and varied. Today, I can walk into the giant in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and find cactus and papaya and 
you know, six different types of mushrooms. So as, as hunters and as gatherers, I, I think uh, it's, it's easier than ever. And from a cooking standpoint, there's so much information out there that it's very hard to ask the question, what's for dinner, and not have a, a good answer. Big time. And what would you – you have a section in the book called The Hardware. What would you describe as the essentials – you know, in the kitchen, you know, what type of pan, you know, what type of uh, knife, There's some, some key things that, you know, like what, for me, it's like, you got to have a pair of dumbbells, a band, you know, a foam roller, a bench, uh, pull a bar. What are, what are the essentials of an ideal, you know, at home kitchen setup for simple ass meals, as, as we like to say at the Daily BJ? Yo, this is huge for me. And and the more press I do and the more I talk about this book, the more I realize, and I, I didn't understand at the time, but the more I realize now that I really wrote this book as a rebellion against the modern cookbook from a restaurant, a chef-led restaurant. The more I read those books, the more I realized, you know what? These chefs aren't writing cookbooks for me. They're writing cookbooks for themselves and for their restaurant. And I don't have, you know, even though the giant has taken great strides in the last 15 years, I can't go out and get quail eggs. You know, I'm not about to buy a circulator for my home kitchen because it's not going to fit there and I'm never going to use it. And what a man, a pan, a plan became was really a way to streamline your kitchen gear. And then make your cooking process more efficient. So you draw comparisons to the gym, right? I'm sure there are so many awesome gym equipment pieces that you'd love to have, but you just you can't because you don't have the space. And quite frankly, you're probably not going to use them every day. They're more like prestige pieces. The, the same goes for cooking. Exactly. And what would be uh, your, your f- top five things that every kitchen must have if you want to make delicious home-cooked meals. Yeah, well, for a man of pan a plan, you, you have to have the right pan. And I, I'm going to say I recommend four pans in the book, but you really only need one pan to cook the vast majority of recipes in this book. All, all the recipes, by the way, are one-pan recipes. So you're, you're doing everything in one pan, which means you only have to clean one pan, and it, you can eat directly from the pan, too, if you're feeling particularly savage. But um, <laughs> you, need a, you need a non-stick uh, skillet. And, and this is something you could go out and, and spend 40, 45 bucks on, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, it, non-stick is important because they're easier to clean. They tend to be a little bit more durable, and they don't require as much care as a cast iron skillet. Now, cast iron, if you want to shell out an additional 35, 40 bucks, Lodge makes great ones. They don't pay me to say that. Those are great for like searing steaks indoors. They're great for working with high heat, and they're also awesome as home defense weapons. Like if somebody breaks <laughs> into your house, you know, if you take the nonstick skillet, you, you might do some damage, but the cast iron skillet's going to knock them out long enough for the uh, the police officers to arrive. It's the difference between a jab and a knockout punch. Exactly. So, so beyond the pan, you're also going to need a, a, a great knife. And the thing that you should absolutely, uh, absolutely not do is go out and buy one of those 18-piece knife blocks that you either find at Macy's uh, because it's the holidays or off of infomercials late at night. And my, my recommendation is 
do not buy anything off of infomercials. I speak from personal experience. Um, but you, you also just need one knife, just like you really just need one pan. And I recommend an eight inch chef's knife. You'll see some blades out there called Santoku blades, eh, whatever. Uh, the chef's knife is classic. It's what French chefs use, what they've been using for centuries, and it does the majority of your at-home cooking tech. So uh, a pan, a knife, a cutting board, and a large bowl, right? And I say large because usually they come in sets of three. I almost never use the small bowl. I get pissed off at the small bowl that it exists because I'm like, why are you taking up space in my cabinets? Makes no sense. One, one large bowl is, is all you need. So really four, four tools to get started plus the cookbook. And you've already busted up a lot of the excuses that most people have. Uh, cooking is too hard or I don't have the money to spend on kitchen equipment. All this stuff combined, really, it's, it's going to cost you like 100 to 150 bucks, if that. I love it, man. What are your, before we kind of get into uh, some of your recipes, the breakfast, not breakfast, some of the sides, dessert options, looking forward to talking about the skillet popcorn. There's a story there. Well, actually, another side, uh, aside here, I've written a book as well, and you take a lot of photos to get the book you know, finalized, marketing photos, cover, bio, insert photos. Are you pleased with the photo they selected uh, for your book of you <laughs> in the biopic? Of me. Yes. Of me. Um, I would have preferred if they took a, the, the shot of me from a, pig's, a pig roast that I had in my backyard from about four years ago. And it's me over uh, charcoal with this massive pig and I am holding a bucket of Crisco. And I, I wish that they would have used that, but instead they went with the professional option. And um, I can't say that I'm disappointed, but um, I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, you know, it's nothing's more frustrating. Like you take a thousand plus photos and it's like that's the one they picked. I, I always – it's fair to say. Like I, I don't think anybody's ever happy with the photo somebody else selects of them or – but uh, I, I just had to ask that for a personal on a personal note. What, what are your go-to meals and snacks like during the week? Like, what do you what are you bringing to the office right now to eat and stay fueled for your hours of writing and work that you do? Uh, um, that's a great question. I always try to make time in the morning to cook, and I also always encourage people who don't like to cook to do the same because the the. Complaint that I hear most often is that I don't have time to cook. And BJ, I'm sure you hear this with like, like well, I don't have time to work out. Time is always the, the number one excuse for anything. A- absolutely. And my my response to those people is usually, look, if you're willing to wait eight cars deep in a fast food drive through line on the way home from work before you get your greasy brown bag from the burger bin, like – you have the time and the energy to devote to cooking. And, and the same goes for the morning. I think the morning and breakfast are the, the first best target if you want to learn how to cook because all you got to do is wake up 15 minutes earlier, you know, and then have the ingredients on hand and have those 15 minutes to prepare something very simple for yourself. And man, you know, I, I talk about starting the day with, with a good nutritional choice. You know, you can either go to Dunkin' Donuts and pick up one of those godforsaken 
napkin, limp, sweaty breakfast sandwiches, or sorry, excuse for breakfast sandwich. Or you could make something like the egg and tomato with herb mayo breakfast sandwich in in the book. And I, I promise you that it will take just as much time as if you were stopping in the, the drive-thru. It will taste far, far better, and you will be more satisfied, not only because you're, you're eating better stuff, and maybe you snuck in a few vegetables, but because the act of cooking is really an act of self-care. It's taking care of yourself, much, much like a workout. And, and that sets you up for better choices throughout the day, no doubt. Being involved in the planning and preparation process makes you appreciate the time involved uh, in making, even if it's minimal time, there, there's still a commitment, right? I think the issue a lot of us have is we can get instant food and we can get it at a moment's notice and there's no appreciation for what's what what's involved in making it. It's very easy to take in way too many calories to eat too often to basically be a cow all day who grazes uh, where and when you're making your meals and you treat your meal times like I'm going to eat here and then four hours later I'm going to eat this, uh, you get a better idea how much you're actually putting into your body. And I, I always, uh, whenever we make uh, more of our food at home, just better choices. And I often find if I'm too lazy to make the food, that's, that is also a good position to be in because I, I'm not going to go get it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so there's just these certain situations where uh, – Putting in a little work makes you appreciate the meal more, and you will always make better choices when uh, it, it's, it's through your own hands because you appreciate the time and effort. You don't want to make a shit meal that doesn't do anything good for you. Uh, absolutely, and, and you touch on an important point, and I believe that the single best thing that you can do for your long-term health right now is to start cooking more meals at home. And it's, it's, this is not just my opinion. I mean, I've been involved with food and nutrition here at Men's Health for 10 years, and we talk to some of the best nutritionists in the world. We, we look at the latest research, and home cooking is really what I believe to be the missing piece of the American diet. And the, the research bears me out on this. The people who cook at home, not only are they taking in fewer calories per meal, but they're eating less junk, they're eating less sugar, they're also eating more of the good stuff. They're eating more fruits and vegetables. They're eating more protein and more fiber. And th that type of exchange where you're going from a, a diet that is uh, very, very heavy on meals that you're eating out and you have no control over to meals that you're cooking at home where you know exactly what's going into those meals and you can, you know, budget your fruits and vegetables into your daily intake. That is a huge shift and it's an empowering shift for so many people that once they pass that barrier of intimidation that I don't have the time to cook, I, I don't have the money to buy cooking equipment. Once you bust up all those bullshit excuses, people tend to have a very powerful reaction when they cook that first meal at home and eat it and realize that, wow, I did this for cheaper. I did it with less stress and I'm getting more of the good stuff. It, it is. It's a very empowering thing. You know, it's it's I, obviously I'm making a lot of fitness parallels here, but it's like the first time someone uh, on the fitness side, people think they have to go to, the, to a really good gym to get in a great workout. And the first time they experience a workout at home that was programmed and put together the right way and they feel how much uh, it's at least comparable, if not better, because of the fact that they set up exactly to their own needs, 
They didn't have to wait on other people for equipment or, you know, modify based on who, who was there, who wasn't there, who was in their way. Um, in a similar fashion, like the, you, you go to the restaurant or you go to a trainer for them to do the work for you. Mm. That, that's the true value in that. Like, you know, sometimes it's fun to just go to a restaurant, let someone do all the work and then just stuff your face. And, and oftentimes there are some things that can be made at a restaurant that you can't match because there's a really talented chef or they just have the recipe and system in place. You don't have the experience. Um, but when you start doing this stuff on your own, like the simplest of things become like awesome. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of the pizza eggs. It's like the simplest, simplest recipe, but I've made these fine tuned adjustments to it and, and, you know, adding the right amount of crushed red pepper or finding the ideal tomato sauce or, you know, all these things you can do when you are empowered by it. And I go to great steak places, but as long as you buy a quality meat, you know, to cook it, you can make better steak at home. It just just takes effort, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, to torture the the metaphor even further here, uh, there's an afterburn associated with eating a a great meal that you cook yourself, you know, much like after I have a a great workout, there's a carryover effect into the rest of my day. You know, I, I feel more productive. I feel more energized. I sleep better at night. Same goes for a great meal at home. You know, and, and there are a couple recipes in the book that aim for that, that sort of satisfying um, middle road between efficiency and just like sheer satisfaction. And um, I think that if you're feeding yourself the right fuel, you know, your engine is going to continue to burn well throughout the rest of the day, much like a, a great workout can kickstart those, those, that positive energy, uh, a great recipe, a great meal can do exactly the same thing. I love that. I couldn't agree more. And one of the recipes that caught my mind, caught my eye, also my mind in the breakfast section was porcini mushroom goat cheese omelet. T- tell us about how, how, how you make that in general. And, you know, I'll tell you what, the goat cheese is, it's an underrated uh, accoutrement, if you will. Yeah. Can I tell you a fun fact about goat cheese for just one, just to go on one tangent here? Please, please. Okay. So some people don't love the, the taste of goat cheese, which is really the aroma of goat cheese. Now, the aroma of goat cheese comes from a very particular part of the male goat. Okay. <laughs> and uh, as we know, the, the male goats do not produce the milk. So how could... How could maybe the scent of the particular part of the male goat get into the female goat's milk? It's not what you think. Actually, just by proximity, the male goat stench is so putrid and pervasive (laughs) that even when the animals are separated by gender, the putrid aroma wafts over to the female pen. And it impregnates itself within the flavor of the female's milk. I mean, talk about <laughs> the power of masculinity. Yes. Right? <laughs> that and, is. and depending on how far apart those goats are, you could have a really strong tasting goat cheese or really mild tasting goat cheese. So anyway, that's enough about goat balls. Um, <laughs> but uh, to get to get back to your your question about uh, the omelet, the, you definitely picked one of the the more fancy pants recipes in the the breakfast chapter. But um, I, I love goat cheese too. It's it's creamy. Um, it's actually surprisingly low calorie. Um, lots of healthy fats in there. 
um, please, you know, do not do yourself the disservice and go out and get 2% or non-fat goat's milk. A lot of the flavor comes from the fat. Um, and porcini mushrooms, underrated mushroom. You, they're tough. They're tough to find unless you go out mushroom foraging, as I know, BJ, you, you are so inclined to do in the hills of uh, Pennsylvania. I, I sometimes see you out there. Yes. Um, but you can, you can buy them dried, usually in the Italian or the specialty section of the market. You throw them into a little warm water the night before. Next morning you wake up, they've plumped up. You chop them up. You take a little bit of that water and you mix it into the uh, egg mixture. And then you just make a classic French omelet. You fold it into thirds, slide it onto the plate, top it with some fresh herbs. And that's one of those like super impressive, uh, maybe a date just stayed over and, you know, he or she is hungry. That's one of those like, you know, all right, this guy knows what he's doing recipes. What if you want them to leave though? All right. Well, then you're going to pick up (laughs) a copy of the new cookbook from Men's Fitness no, just kidding. <laughs> how, how often, by the way, on a weekly basis, does someone say, oh, he works at Men's Fitness uh, to you? Well, not anymore. Men's Fitness uh, is now digital only. So I, we've won that battle after many, many years. But it, it still happens, I know. Men's health, people, men's health. I, I didn't know they stopped making a magazine. When did this happen? Uh, this happened like three or four months ago. Oh, wow. Uh, they are now rolled into Men's Journal. Uh, another magazine that's not as good as Men's Health. Phenomenal. Uh, so that, that sounds like a great recipe too. And another one that caught my eye because, again, it's you know finding ways to use a little more vegetable than starch whenever possible uh, for most people that aren't very active or you know lean on the side of probably eating too many starchy carbohydrates is the eggplant and zucchini lasagna. You actually talk about the eggplant at one point. You mentioned it being like an alien vegetable. Uh, why is that? <laughs> Man, you ever look hard at an eggplant? Like, these things are from another planet. I I swear that, you know, like you look at an apple, an apple makes sense. You look at an orange, an orange makes sense. Look at an eggplant, and you're like, what the hell is this thing? (laughs) I I don't mean to discount the eggplant, especially as an emoji. I think it's a very powerful emoji, Uh, and it's also great in cooking. Um, it can take on the flavors of whatever you cook with it, um, which makes it great for stir fries. Think of it as like a, a better tasting tofu. Um, and, but it's, it's just as versatile. And in the lasagna recipe in the, in the book, um, I, I really, you like struggled with putting a vegetable lasagna recipe in the book, but that's just because I love meat so much. And it took a lot of tinkering, a lot of recipe testing in my home kitchen went into this book. Um, and I finally found a recipe where I was like, you know what? I do not miss the meat in here. I don't care that's in here. It is just as satisfying. And that's because the hearty vegetables, stuff like your eggplants, your zucchini, give you that that sort of substantive bite to them that is extremely satisfying. Yeah, there, there's definitely meatiness to those two vegetables, uh, and a good tomato sauce puts it over the top. Uh, without a doubt, and you know, you bring up a really important point too. And and what I what I tried to do with each recipe in the book was try to include at least one serving of fruits and vegetables, and 
try to maximize the flavor while also not making uh, the recipes overblown in terms of calories. Now, look, there are a couple recipes in this book that are like, you know, your Friday fuck it meals. You know, there, there's an incredible um, skillet wings recipe uh, with honey, sriracha, um, hot sauce mm. that, you know, chicken wings aren't necessarily the best thing in the world for you. Now, these dodge the deep fryer and go into the oven, but still. Uh, but for, for the most part, um, I think it is critical to try to include at least one fruit serving of fruits and vegetables in each meal. And the other, uh, like dark horse in, in the nutritional front are fresh herbs. And I'm not talking about the dried stuff in, in the shaker. I'm talking about your fresh basil, thyme, rosemary, parsley, cilantro, mint, um, you can add so much flavor to foods with very, very little calories by adding fresh herbs to your meal. And I'll give you one example. We talked about the lasagna, which is on the cover of the book. There's also another recipe on the cover of the book, uh, pork chops with grilled pineapple. And oh, yeah. you use a grill pan to make these, and you actually sizzle the pineapple in the pork juices after you're done cooking the pork juice or cooking the pork. And then you top it with fresh mint. And there's like five ingredients to this meal, but it keeps the calories low and the flavor is insane. You know, you have the sweetness from the pineapple playing off the savoriness and the spiciness of the pork chops. And then this like pop of fresh mint. And it really like it, it gets you thinking about how much you can do flavor wise with very few ingredients and, and very few cooking devices. And it, one, one thing that caught my eye as well is, you know, I'm a big you know, five guys, fry guy. I love potatoes in general. And you've got a loaded sweet potato recipe that, uh, I mean, it looks absolutely delicious. I mean, so, you know, it, it is a starchy vegetable, but the thing about potatoes is they, they are so filling that, uh, <clears throat> yes, you can overeat them, but man, it, 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 in most cases it really does, especially a good protein source with it. It's such an amazing, it's like the ultimate gains meal, meat and potatoes. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, you never hear of people having a problem binging on sweet potatoes. You know, maybe sweet potato chips, which are, you know, like genetically designed to make you want to return to the bag until all of them are gone. But yeah, digging into a just baked sweet potato. In the book, I, I throw some fresh jalapenos, some cilantro, little lime juice, Greek yogurt, and uh, cayenne pepper on top. And you basically take, you know, that like, quintessential bar food of twice baked sour cream bacon potatoes and created a i don't want to say a healthier but i want to say a, a more nutrient loaded version of that that option look there's a time and place for bar potatoes usually when you're you know six deep watching bad football but um <laughs> You know that if you're looking for a solid recipe um, that that really crams in the the vegetables, that that's that's the one in the book that is a, a great go-to. And then also just to remind yourself that yes, potatoes are great fried, even if they are fried in peanut oil. Uh, the baked option uh, is is always a healthier option, a great way to mix it up, and you'd be surprised about filling and satisfying a quality baked uh, regular or sweet potato can be, especially with the right fixings. Yeah, no, hands down. All about the fixings. The fixings. Do you, do you watch uh, Eastbound and Down? Yeah. Okay. 
Anybody who watches that show knows exactly what we're talking about. So you mentioned the eggplant. You know, also the eggplant has become the. Uh, I mean, it's a great emoji, but also the the iconic symbol of the male appendage. So it, it is so versatile. Uh, I would argue, though, that cauliflower is maybe the most versatile food on the planet. I've made cauliflower oatmeal, cauliflower hash, cauliflower um, mashed or smashed cauliflower. We, we're experimenting. We found this frozen bag of cauliflower tater tots, and we're trying to find a way now to make our own version because it's got like modified food starch in it to kind of like bind it up. So we're yeah. trying to find a way to make cauliflower tater tots, um, you know, at home with, without any of those extra ingredients you would want to avoid. But I mean, really, the, the, I see people with cauliflower pizza crust. I mean, what a freaking vegetable. Yeah, it's having a moment. It's like the Jennifer Lawrence, really, of, of the vegetable world. <laughs> so before we get into to the recipe in the book, I have a question for you, cauliflower yes. extraordinaire aficionado. Please. All right. You, you make cauliflower rice. You put it into the fridge. You open it the next day, and it smells like, you know, you, you had probably one of the worst farts of the last year. Do you know what I'm talking about? I had to take my wife to the hospital uh, recently because of the cauliflower stench from a recent meal. What What do you do? Do you just Do you just deal with it, or it, have you found some way to tamp down what What quite frankly smells like trash? Well, here, here's here's what I do. First of all, um, I buy the cauliflower pre-cut in most cases, so it usually comes in a bag that is particularly tight. Uh, if you get one of those. It depends, though. If you get, like, the plastic containers that, that have a liftoff, you can smell it through that container. Now, if it's sealed, it kind of keeps it in. And I also – so I, when I cook it, it it's, it's all consumed at once. I never really have extra cauliflower rice, if that yeah. makes sense. So it's, it's in a tightly sealed bag. When I cook it, you know, it's a little bit pungent, but, uh, you know, I put the fan on and uh, – Definitely keeps you regular and fills you up. I mean, I, I typically will have, honestly, man, like a pound of cauliflower rice uh, with a pound of, of meat will be a or eight, or eight whole eggs will be a, a classic meal for me. And it, it gives me can give me four to six hours uh, of pure energy and uh, satisfaction. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm making these meals at home, too. So there isn't that concern of uh, though one time at Rodale when I when I still work there, someone decided to make salmon and broccoli and heat it up in the microwave there and it stunk up the entire all three floors yeah she yeah. total she, she doesn't work there anymore but she was a total assassin yeah we fired her because of that <laughs> I, I i i assumed as much but yeah so there there is a potent st- uh stench to it but once cooked uh that, that goes away yeah I, you know, I, I think of it a lot like the movie the mist based off the Stephen King book, like they're all trapped in that supermarket and there is this, this fog, this mist that is getting closer and closer to the supermarket. That's how I feel with cauliflower rice. Like, I don't know what's in that stuff. I don't know what's going to happen when it reaches me. Uh, but, but those are some good tips, you know, but consider the packaging, cook that shit as soon as you can. So you're not under the veil of, of the mist. Yes. And it goes great in butter or avocado oil, little garlic salt and, uh, Especially like at Whole Foods has uh, in their their brand of the you know the, the sealed containers the, the fully sealed containers it just comes like in a particular cut that takes on more of a hash than a rice so it's great with eggs um, love it with steak that type of thing get a little hash feel you know 
yo, speaking of steak, that that is how I like to treat cauliflower. Um, what I like to do with it in the recipes in, in a man of pan of plan um, is cauliflower steak, where you take a hot cast iron skillet and you would treat it just as you would treat a, a steak. So, you know, envision the cauliflower head. You need a full head of cauliflower for this. And you're going to slice probably a one to one and a half inch piece of cauliflower from the center of the head. So those pieces that fall off on either side, those you can use for cauliflower rice, whatever. Sometimes you can get two or even three steaks out of a cauliflower head, but you got to make sure that that stem is intact. And then once you have that steak, you put oil you put salt and pepper on it, and then you put it onto a medium-hot cast-iron skillet. And you sear that thing hard until it starts to blacken and gets a little bit tender. Then you flip it, and you wait until you see that blacken and that tenderness show up on the on the bottom half of the steak. And then you pull it off, and, and you can dress it however you want. You know, I, I attack this thing with a fork and knife. The recipe in the book has a really simple tahini sauce. Tahini is ground-up sesame seeds, another um, heart-healthy fat. Um, it has a, like a, a really quick garlic herb sauce that I throw on top. Again, uh, only like eight or nine ingredients, I think. Um, but look, if you wanted to serve it with more traditional steak sauce, you could do that. If you wanted to do like um, you like do a quick red pepper and uh, like roasted red pepper and roasted tomato sauce and put it on top of that, you could do it. And look, this isn't going to replace like your your classic T-bone or ribeye, but it's a nice way to mix things up, and it's a whole lot cheaper than uh, having to go out and buy some beef. Yeah, I mean, it really is. The, uh, it's a chameleon. It'll take on the taste of whatever you cook it with, and it, it's so versatile. I'm actually I'm, I'm going to try that cauliflower steak option. Speaking of steaks, uh, one of the big things we talk about at thedailybeacher.com, like one of the my initial goals when I you know, started my career in fitness uh, is to get to the point where I could have like once a week I could have a great steak. Mm-hmm. To me, that was going to be a big part of whether or not I was going to be successful or not. And we have this thing called hashtag Steak Sundays. What are – well, first of all, I want to hear like what, what's your favorite cut? What's your favorite cut of steak? Uh, bone, in, bone in ribeye. Really? Uh, I, think, I think the ribeye takes all the best parts of beef and it combines it in, into one cut. Um, I, I love the flavor of beef fat and I think the best way to eat a steak is to cut off a little piece of the fat – cut off a piece of the meat and make sure you're getting both in every bite because that animal worked very, very hard to put on the extra pounds of fat for you and to just cut it off. I'm not saying you have to eat all of it, but you should enjoy it because the animal wants you to. You, you would think so. And I actually, I'm a big porterhouse guy because I love the fact that on each side of the bone is a different experience. It's also, it also tends to be a big cut, like a 20 to 24 ounce type cut. Um, I do love a good ribeye too, though. But the porterhouse, for some reason, it might just be like the fatty in me just to have the, the big, the biggest possible cut, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in terms of prep, like what are your – well, first of all, what are the things that most people do that just destroy the steak experience? Like obviously well done. I mean they should get – they should be put away for that for a yeah. long time. Um, you know, and, and in the defense of, of people who are maybe shy to cook steak at home and would rather go out and have it cooked for them, 
I completely understand why. Any any thicker cut of meat is very difficult to cook um, if you're just starting out. And and this this even goes for chicken breasts. Like I had a roommate in college who would just take a chicken breast and he would put it in a pan, like over medium, and he would just flip it every now. And I'd be like, buddy, this thing is like four inches thick. It is never going to cook all the way through. And um, he, you know, wasted a lot of chicken breasts. But the the key, the key is a, a two stage cooking method, and this this will help you in all sorts of uh, meat cuts. So anything, any meat that is thicker than, um, say, a deck of cards works for this method. That's your ribeye. That's your porterhouse. That's your pork chop. That's your chicken breast, which you can pound flat using the back of a heavy cast iron skillet. Um, But what you need to do is sear it in the pan and then transfer the pan to a preheated oven, usually about 375. And then just make sure that you're temping it every now and then. Make sure you have a kitchen thermometer. They're super cheap. They'll save you from lots of diarrhea. Um, if I can't sell you on that, I don't know what's going to do it. But that kind of two-stage method is great because you acquire the flavor of a sear. You get that caramelization, which makes beef taste beefier and pork chops taste porkier. And then you move it to the oven to finish cooking. And once you learn that technique, that'll pay you dividends over the course of your cooking career. Amazing. So you do like, uh, Meeting the high heat on the grill for what three three to five minutes aside, then you put it in for five or ten minutes in the oven. Yeah, um, so the the pork chop recipe about it's about three to five minutes aside over medium, and then in the oven, depending on the thickness of the pork chop, we're talking about an additional seven to fifteen minutes. And um, look, if if you're sourcing good pork, you don't have to worry that it's a little pink on the inside. Um, Same with your beef. I mean, you know, a a medium rare steak is the perfect level of of tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. Look, if you want to cook it to a charcoal briquette, like look and texture, that's on you. You know, that's a great way to waste 38 bucks. but if you want, you know, if you want that sort of medium rare steak, I would always suggest pulling it out sooner than you think it's done, letting it rest for five minutes so the juices can sort of recirculate. And if it's undercooked, it's undercooked. You just put it back in the oven. I love it. And I've always found, too, again, this is one of those things like if you're going to do it, do it right. You know, if you're going to want to have a good basketball team, you want LeBron James and that team. You get a quality piece of meat. And it's, it's much harder to fuck up that recipe. Um, it's also, it's a disaster when you do, because you, <laughs> you paid for quality meat and it came out like crap. But uh, I really like to, you know, as a Packers fan right now, Aaron Rodgers is out. Hopefully he's coming back. But we, we've got a less quality piece of meat out there throwing the ball and <laughs> handing it off. And it makes all the difference in the world. No amount of prep or strategy is going to make that meat taste better on Sundays. So, uh yeah, it's just one of those things. Get a good quality cut of meat. Uh, you know, if, it's, if you can't see, you can't afford meat. Well, it, it's really just one last trip out to the restaurant. And I think one thing that's great too, like one, when we went through recently what's called the pre-holiday shred, 
uh, which was a special program. People could lose weight before Halloween so they could gain it all back before the new year. <laughs> um, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the, the quote unquote cheat day or reward day or the fuck it meal or the fuck it experience is always better when done at home. Beyond the fact that, yes, you know what you're getting. Um, there's work involved in making this stuff. And we always resort to the lazy parts of our nature when you're at a restaurant, you can always quickly order another, you know, appetizer or extra dessert or take home leftovers. Uh, at home, it, it usually it, the limitation becomes uh, your willingness to put in the work or, or the, your willingness to, to dirty another pan that you have to clean. So, uh, you know, we always recommend that as a, as a way that people can just get a better result. And you've got in this book a ton of, uh, you know, more veggie-based uh, recipes, but also these these meals that they can, you know, because during the week, right? You don't have time to make, to experiment during the week. But Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, you've got time to once a week challenge yourself and try something new. And uh, is that what you really hope, uh, you know, those who aren't necessarily culinary experts or regular cookers uh, kind of hope to get from this book? Yeah, I mean, I wrote this book for people like me, you know, people who, wanted to take control of their diet and the best way to do that is through the kitchen but they don't have all this time and energy because they have other things in their life they got to do you know they got social obligations they got family obligations they got work obligations but you know what what you're talking about really is control and cooking offers that sense of control and the more you're able to to learn whether it's through this book or other books that that sense of control that you don't need to panic when you're in the kitchen and that in fact it can be a really relaxing enjoyable experience you know i the thing i like most about cooking and i didn't learn this immediately it, it came uh, a little bit down the road was that there are very few things in life anymore that tell you to slow down and just use your senses you know, not using a smartphone app, not not be on your phone, but pay attention to the what is happening in front of you. And you you can't rush great food. You know, an onion is going to be softened and ready when the onion is ready. You know, if if you try to rush the onion, you're going to burn the onion. So when I get home from work, you know, I tend to put on a little bit of music in the kitchen. I tend to put on, uh, I tend to open up, you know, a, a beer. I have a beer when I cook. I tend to prepare like a small chef snack, which is basically an industry term for something that prevents the, the chef from getting super ornery because they're hungry. That could be a, that could be as simple as a, a few good olives or maybe some cheese, you know, a few cubes of cheese. And I, I make it an event and I sort of give in to the natural slowness of cooking. And look, again, most of these recipes are 15 minutes, but those 15 minutes sometimes for me can be the most peaceful and restorative minutes of my day. And I also get the added benefit of getting to eat whatever comes out of those 15 minutes. And, and that to me... I, I tried to translate as much of that as I could, the joy of cooking, the joy of eating a meal you prepare 
in into the book as possible. It's it's really no fuss. It's it's no bullshit, and that's how I believe that if most people were cooking this way, they would not only feel better about what they're eating, but they would feel just better in general. So what are we talking about? There's two big takeaways: are the music, and then also the blood sugar. I was you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO? Yeah. So uh, you see the recent episode where he's in front of the con- the, the council that he's trying to get his, his name cleared with the whole fatwa thing, um, where he you know he was going to put on a play uh, called Fatwa and he offended the Ayatollah in Iran. It's it's a really funny uh, little bit, but this guy on the council makes the comment. Yeah, the Americans, when their blood sugar is low, they become animals. And it's like my, my <laughs> wife and I, because that, that is my wife and I. Like, it is such a dangerous, around 7 p.m. every night, even the dogs know that they need to just go over to the cage. It's just dangerous to be around us. Americans, just because we, no American goes three or four hours without eating something their whole life. Yeah, it's, it's not the, one continuous meal. Yeah, it's, it's one long well, basically, we have IVs attached to us yeah. all day long. They're just you can't see it, and uh, but that's a good, that's an interesting way to, uh, to approach it. That like, because you know, I often will like have a little bit of a. And I tell my wife like, just have a snack, like take the edge yeah. off. I can't deal with this right now, and she never comes prepared. Like I always, I come prepared for these situations because I know I know I've become an animal and a savage. So like munching on some you know chopped up veggies or. You know, uh, drinking cauliflower. <laughs> it's been done. Hey, you, you've taken this too far. Yeah, I have. Well, what, what are your, what's your t- typical chef snack? Though? What are we talking about? Some couple cups of meat or? Oh, look, it, it could just be anything in the fridge. I mean, right now it's um, spicy pickles. Ooh, I mean, perfect. pickles naturally low in calorie, but these, these pickles that I get from a company called Grillos, that's G R I L L O S. They got, they got some fiery ones where I know if I'm eating more than four of them, it's going to be a rough morning the next morning. You, you really want something that's sort of self-regulating. You know, that's why I mentioned the, the bowl of olives, you know, like just get a, get a small bowl and throw like six of them in there. And then by the time you've eaten your six olive, your, your, your blood sugar is fine. And you're sort of like, nah, that that's enough olives. You, you definitely don't want to do a chef snack of like potato chips or pretzels with honey mustard. It, it should really be, um, it should be something that, um, you would eat, say if you went, you know, if you were at work and you needed to keep your energy up. It, it shouldn't be something that you would eat on the couch in front of Netflix. Yeah, pickled vegetables. You get the crunch and you get the saltiness, and the vinegar is a great uh, curber of hung- hunger. And that, that's one of my favorite ways to uh, just overcome the hunger pangs and get through it and, and not have to rush a meal and enjoy the experience. Um, I also like when restaurants, like the forgotten art of giving you something before you start to eat. Mm-hmm. Like people don't even get bread anymore. Not that I would have the bread unless it was a special occasion. Yeah. But like when you don't bring out something, that just tells me like there's something that tells me you don't care more than just not taking the time to put something inexpensive but tasty that you can put in front of someone right away when they sit down at your table. Yeah. Another great one is radishes. You know, okay. they're they're a great snacking vegetable. You, know, you can also think of the, snack, the, the chef's snack as a way to sneak in more – fruits and vegetables into your diet too. And, and radishes are sort of self-limiting in that they have that natural spiciness to them. So that when you get to your fourth one, you're kind of like, all right, I'm good. 
Um, and the chef snack also doesn't have to be relegated to, you know, weeknight dinner. You can do, uh, you know, a, a clementine or two before you start cooking breakfast on a lazy Sunday. Uh, it's really about being tactical about what what that chef snack is than about just having the, the chef snack. I love that. Now, music-wise, are we talking like more Rick Ross or are we talking like Kelly Clarkson? Uh, I have a playlist in the book that is designed entirely around food. It's everything from Casey Musgraves' biscuits to um, uh, Tom Waits' eggs and sausage. It, you know, if it's not a food-themed <laughs> cooking list for me, and, and this may surprise you, um, I usually go heavy metal. This, this also is if my wife is, is not within um, striking distance. But uh, there's something about just like the kind of raw intensity of heavy metal that can both like propel me through a recipe, but also is background music enough that I can tune it out if I need to concentrate. I love it, man. Let's talk about the final uh, before I let you go and get you back to work there. Uh, skillet popcorn. Popcorn became a recent... Uh, controversial topic in our household. It was a Tuesday afternoon. We were working hard and I started to smell popcorn and my wife was making popcorn on a Tuesday. And, uh, (laughs) I, I try as much as I like living with me. Like it's, uh, way better than it was like 10 years ago. Like in terms of how I would judge how you eat and, you know, did you work out today and was it a good workout? But, uh, I just, I just could never fathom, like it's Tuesday afternoon. Why are we eating popcorn? No, in reality, it's like a couple hundred calories. It's just corn. It's a grain. Uh, she actually got a nice organic uh, type of popcorn with some good ingredients. But, you know, we have these hangups, et cetera. I have these hangups. But what, what caught me was the skillet popcorn uh, because it is a, it's a beautiful, crunchy, salty, buttery situation. Great for Netflix on a Friday night. Uh, what's so advantageous about using the skillet? So there are so many useless cooking gadgets in this world. Um, I do not own, you know, much like we talked about the the 18-piece knife set, um, I don't own any kitchen gear that's a one-trick pony. That includes stuff like a pineapple core, a cherry pit. This goes so far, and here's where my hang-ups start to emerge. I don't own a toaster. Because a toaster only does one thing. It toasts. Yeah. And otherwise, it's just taken up space on my kitchen countertops. And my kitchen countertop space is valuable. You know, I have stuff like a slow cooker, but I don't use it all that much. I use my pans every day. And when it comes to popcorn, you can make popcorn in a pan. You do not need a Joe Namath popcorn maker that actually exists you can look it up and i have a feeling he was a better quarterback than he was a a popcorn machine maker um but but you don't need you don't need the one trick pony kitchen gadgets and that recipe is the perfect example because i bet you i could cook popcorn um against joe namath under the table and that that's an open call to you joe namath you want to go head to head i'm ready popcorn face off you use your machine i'll use a pan all you have to do is put a little bit of neutral flavored oil into the pan like we're talking less than a teaspoon you put a quarter cup of popcorn kernels into the pan you don't they don't have to be flavored you put a lid on the pan and over medium low heat 
when the first popcorn kernel starts to pop, you can add the rest of them. And then you have popcorn in 10 minutes. From there, you can eat it straight up or you could put seasonings on it. You can do a little butter and salt if you want, but you don't have to. It tastes great on its own. Also have a couple variations in the book for brown sugar and cinnamon popcorn. There's a recipe for like a sort of Indian style one where there's some turmeric in there. Popcorn is like, you can go Bob Ross on popcorn. You know, you, you start with the empty pat, the empty canvas, and then you just add whatever flavors you want and you just make happy treats. I love it, man. We might actually try the one out. That's, that sounds a delicious, uh, it's just great. It's great to, because I, I always associate popcorn with a movie. So, like, if we're not watching a movie, like, who's having popcorn? But, and that's just me. So when that moment came up on Tuesday, when the popcorn was being made, were you like, uh-oh, what, what movie am I watching? What's going on here? Well, here's what actually happened. It happened on a Tuesday, and I bit my tongue. I didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, it's Wednesday, and it's happening again. I'm like, wait, is this a habit? <laughs> is this is this going to be happening now where it smells like a fucking movie in my house while I'm trying to do work in the afternoon? Um, so we, you know, we had a little discussion and now it, it's reserved only for Friday nights. Except <laughs> when, when I'm traveling, I'm, I know she's having basically popcorn four times a day. <laughs> well, oh, dude, man, th- thank you so much for your time today. Where can we learn more about you and where can they find the book? Uh, well, look, first off, BJ, thank, thank you so much for having me on. You know, I've always respected you and, and what you do, you know, not, not only for fitness, but also just for like fun. You know, you're, you're one of the most fun dudes that I've ever met. You're always down for anything. And, um, you know, I, I know your listeners respect you for that. So quick shout out to you, BJ. And, and thanks for all you do. Thank you. Man. Uh, the, the book uh, is available through menshealth.com slash man pan plan. It is available wherever books are sold. There is a Kindle version. Um, what else do you need to know about the book? It's small. It's cheap. This thing is only 16 bucks. You know, this is not a giant coffee table book. This is something that you can pop on your kitchen counter. It takes up less space than that goddamn toaster you have. And it's it's great for men and women, all right? I'm married to a marathon runner. Uh, luckily, she was marathon training during this book, so she ate most of the food that I made <laughs> from this book, and there is not a single recipe in here that she did not approve of, um, so do not let the man in the title hold you back. It is an awesome gift um, for yourself if you want to regain control of your diet, and it's an awesome gift for any newbie or you know even somewhat seasoned home cook that wants to elevate their game it, it actually it's, it's 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 basically deliciously sized it's about the size of my pec one of it's my bite pecs. size yeah it's bite it's size. Bite, if things were super desperate you could probably eat this book and be satisfied for 12 to 16 hours but that's not my personal medical recommendation can you cook the book in a pan the book will fit in a <laughs> 10 inch cast iron skillet and if you don't believe me check it out on instagram you can find us at guy gourmet on instagram twitter facebook also please 
if you're interested, go to menshealth.com or Men's Health on Facebook and check out some of these insane cooking videos we did uh, around the book. They're like nothing I've ever seen before. You will laugh, you will cry, you will bang your keyboard in frustration. Um, they really did an incredible job editing these things, and, and they're worth a watch. Definitely check it out, guys. Please uh, follow Paul. He's a, he's a great guy, super fun, super witty, and uh, very passionate about food. And there is nothing more satisfying than a nice home-cooked meal. And there's so many options in this book you can check out. And uh, diversify, in particular, your Fuck It Friday experience. I'm really looking forward to trying some of these. Thank you so much, Paul. Keep up the great work, man. And uh, take care of that gym. Make sure they at least uh, you know clean it every once in a while. Hey, look, if it's going to bring us closer together, BJ, I'll go there personally and mop that thing up. <laughs> You'll probably see me in there. I've been, I've been, I've been sleeping there for the last you know, seven months. <laughs> <laughs> is this where you're recording the podcast from? It is. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Uh, thank you guys and gals for listening. I'll be back next week with another great episode. Keep training hard. Keep eating well. And be sure to check out a Mana Pana plan and follow Paul Keita at Guy Gourmet on Instagram. Bunch of delicious, sexy photos of food. Hashtag food porn. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to the weekly BJ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when each weekly episode is posted. Follow me everywhere on social media at BJ Gador. B-J-G-A-D-D-O-U-R. And for more podcasts, plus workout, meal prep, and mobility content, please visit thedailybj.com, hashtag not a porn site. Membership is just $9.69 per month. Cancel anytime.